0: Chapter 20 of the Young Woman's Guide to Excellence. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bria Snow. The Young Woman's Guide to Excellence. Chapter 20. Exercise. This is a highly important subject, and it is connected with an unusual variety of topics. I beg the reader to exercise a little patience, therefore, if on this account, I extend it to an unusual length. It should not be forgotten that the human body is moved from place to place at the direction of the will through the intervention of what are called muscles, of which there are, in connection with the whole human frame, from four hundred to five hundred. They are long bundles or portions of lean flesh, usually a little flattened and somewhat rounded at their ends and terminating at one end, often at both, in a harder, flatter, white substance called tendon, which is fastened to the bone. But I need not, and indeed I cannot, in a work like this, enter upon a minute account of the human frame, or of any considerable portion of it, especially so considerable a portion of it as the bony and muscular systems. For such information I must refer the reader to the work alluded to in a previous chapter, the house I live in, and, if a leisure time will justify it, to still more extended works on anatomy and physiology which can be easily obtained. Of the philosophy, and even the necessity of exercise, however, I need only say, in the present place, in addition to what has been said already that much of human health and happiness depends on the proper development and cultivation and daily exercise of the whole muscular system that the health and happiness and usefulness of young women are not less dependent on the right condition of the physical frame the bones and muscles among the rest than in the case of the other classes of persons i might even say that of all classes of people in the world parents and teachers alone accepted, young women are most imperiously called upon to attend to this subject. It will now be my object to speak of the various kinds of exercise for young women, and to treat of them in what I conceive to be the order of their value. 1. Walking. If I were residing in Great Britain, and writing for the perusal of young women there, i suppose it would hardly be necessary to urge very strongly the importance of walking as an exercise for we are told by accredited travellers that not only females of the middle and lower classes but those of rank also are accustomed to this form of exercise to an extent which would surprise the young women of this country neither do they go out tired in such a manner that a single drop of water would annoy them or spoil their happiness, but they go prepared for the task. They have, as I understand, their coarser clothes and shoes and head-dresses for the purpose. But here, in the United States, among the female sex, especially, walking, like housekeeping and agriculture, has been, of late years, regarded as drudgery, fit for none but the poor, or the mean, or the eccentric. And when performed, it is seldom done in the love of it. Now it is well known to those who have studied the subject of exercise that, though walking is of inestimable importance, second, in all probability to no other form of exercise, it is, nevertheless, of far the most value when it is undertaken and pursued with pleasure. While therefore I recommend it to young women, I do it in the hope they will not regard it as task-work, as mere drudgery. I hope they will regard it as a source of pleasure and happiness. To render it such, something more is required than to merely walk, in a solitary manner, to a certain stone, or tree, or corner, or house, the mind all the while unoccupied by anything agreeable or useful, and then to return as listless as they came. Such exercise, it is true, will move the limbs, and do much to keep the bones and muscles in a healthy state by the gentle agitation which is induced will promote the circulation of all the fluids and the due performance of all the function in the body except the function which pertains to the brain and nervous system it will do all this I say but it will not do it so well if the exercise is performed as a piece of task-work than it would if it were done cheerfully and voluntarily I counsel the young woman, therefore, who wishes to derive the utmost possible benefit from walking, to contrive to make the exercise as agreeable as possible. To this end, she should endeavor to have before her-I mean before her mind-an agreeable object, or at least she shall be accompanied by an agreeable companion. Both are desirable, but one of the two is indispensable. As to the kind of object which should be held in view, I cannot, of course, say much, nor need I, for it makes but little difference, so far as the physical benefit to be derived from it is concerned. In regard to the moral and intellectual advantages, however, which are to be derived from it, to herself and to others, it makes a very great difference, indeed. She who goes in company with one or two, or a small number of companions, on some benevolent errand some work of mercy to the ignorant the sick or the distress that once secures all the physical the intellectual and moral advantages to be derived by herself and confers inestimable blessings on others let it not be said that it is not the duty of young women to go on such errands of mercy i know of no neighbourhood containing the small number of twenty families in which there are not individuals who need to be fed clothed enlightened encouraged warmed or elevated the more elevated their present condition as a general rule the more can be done to raise them still higher the destruction of the poor is their poverty and in like manner the destruction of the ignorant is their ignorance people must know something in order to know more and in like manner must they possess something in order to value our charities and make a wise use of them if it should be urged that in speaking of the advantages of walking i have hitherto addressed myself to a small class of the community only that those who are compelled to labour have not the time necessary for walks of love instruction or charity i reply that this does not lessen the importance of what has been said to those individuals to whom it is applicable. Walking is nature's own exercise, and will always be her best when it can be performed. Nor would many in New England think themselves so poor as to be unable to afford it, were they aware of a tenth part of its general importance, and did they but know how to live orderly and systematically. Two hours of active walking a day are worth a great deal. And no one who can walk briskly and cheerfully and without very great fatigue three hours need to complain of want of exercise. I must admit, of course, in a work like this intended for young women the mention of any motion more rapid than walking. Running, to those who have passed into their teens, would be unfashionable. And who could endure the charge of disregarding the fashions? Who could risk the danger of being regarded as a romp? I am informed by a traveller of the most undoubted veracity that females of the highest classes in some parts of Europe. The daughters of Fellenberg, the Swiss educator, for example, do not hesitate at times to engage in the athletic and healthy exercises of skating and coasting. I have even been told that the same remark may be applied, to some extent, to the females of the state with Maine. 2. Gardening and Agriculture Here again I shall be treading on dangerous ground, as I am fully aware. As in the former case, however, so in the present I shall not be wholly alone. There are those who have dared to jeopardise their reputation by insisting on light agricultural and horticultural employment for females, young and old, who cannot, or who suppose they cannot find time for walking, and to the list of this sort of unfashionables my name, I suppose, must be added. To those who do not, and cannot, enjoy the benefit of active and pleasurable walking abroad, these employments are unquestionably the best substitutes. When these are wholly depended upon for exercise, however, they should be pursued at least from two to four hours in a day, and the constitutions of some will require much more than even four hours. That not the hardy, healthy young woman alone be employed in this manner. It is useful and necessary, indeed, to her, but it is still more so to her in whom, to a light skin with light eyes and hair, adjoined a slender frame, a narrow chest, and an unnatural and sickly delicacy. Whether this delicacy is the result of staying in the house, almost entirely secluded from light air in the extremes of heat and cold, Or is inherited makes very little difference she who has it needs a great deal of exercise three housekeeping next to walking an agricultural and horticultural exercise housekeeping or as it is familiarly called housework is probably the most healthy and ought to be the most agreeable and yet the bare statement of the fact will be enough to induce many a fair reader as I doubt not to turn aside with pain and disgust. The reasons why this employment is so healthy are many and various. One is found in the fact that it requires such a variety of exercise. Like farming and gardening, it calls into action in the course of a day, and especially in the course of a week, nearly every considerable muscle of the body. All these exercises seem, at first view, to have some advantages over walking. It should be remembered, however, that nearly every muscle and tendon and bone in the whole human frame is agitated if it is not employed in walking, and if the limbs are employed much the most, still the continued action of the whole body, though gentle, is in a few hours quite sufficient for all the purposes of health. Every... Young women should be determined to attend to and understand every kind of housework. If a few kinds, as washing, for example, seem to be beyond her strength, she should only attend to them in part, according as she is able. It is pitiable to see a young woman of twenty, twenty-five, or thirty, who cannot make bread, or iron a shirt, or boil a pudding. Aye. And who cannot make and mend clothes if necessary simply because she has never been required to do it. Still more pitiable is, as I have already said, to find those who have never done it because they thought it would be demeaning to themselves or because they have acted upon the principle of doing nothing for themselves or others as long as they can help it. It is scarcely possible that a young woman twenty years of age has not had ample opportunities for learning to do all kinds of housework provided it has been her fixed resolution to improve them and i am fully assured that housekeeping actively and cheerfully pursued in all its parts is sufficient to secure a tolerable measure of health to every individual and yet i am equally confident that if walking or out-of-door labour were superadded to this in the way I propose and recommend it, she would derive from it many important advantages, besides being still healthier. Indeed, no person in any employment whatever is so healthy as to exclude all possibility of further improvement. It is not yet known how healthy an individual may become. 4. RIDING Horseback exercise for those who cannot enjoy any of the three modes of which I have already spoken, is excellent. It is particularly valuable where there is a tendency to lung complaints, whether induced by wearing too tight a dress, or in any other matter. It should not be forgotten, however, that if the chest is very greatly diseased, this exercise may be one of the worst which could be taken. As to riding in a carriage, unless it is an open one, I must honestly say I do not like it as an exercise for those who can secure that which is better, indeed, except for a medicinal purpose, I always prefer one of the three kinds named above. And as for medicine, I would have young women so live, and especially so exercise, as have no occasion for it, but on this subject I intend to say something in another place. I do not believe life is long enough, in general, to allow us to indulge to any great extent either in what are commonly regarded as passive exercises, or in amusement as such. I speak now of those who are above twelve years of age. Not that those who are over twelve do not need amusement. I would have everything amusing or at least interesting. I mean simply to say that walking and running and gardening and farming and housekeeping usually involve enough of physical exercise for health, and that where these are duly attended to, or even any one of them, what are commonly called amusements will hardly be needed. In earlier life they unquestionably may be, but I do not think well of passive exercises for any person so long as they can be avoided and heterodox as the advice may be regarded, I cannot help counselling the young above all never to ride in an easy carriage, or a railroad, or in a steamboat, or other vessel or ship, as long as they can pursue the lawful purposes of life in a lawful and proper manner by means of walking. It is soon enough to ride when we cannot walk." Those who are desirous to glorify God in whatever they do, as Paul expresses it, will understand and feel the force of what I am now going to say. Will those who make it their business in this world to seek happiness, without being careful to do it, through the medium of personal excellence or holiness, will perhaps only smile at what they suppose is a mere eccentricity of opinion? 5. LOCAL EXERCISE i have intimated that the bones and muscles the brain and the nerves the stomach and intestines the liver the child apparatus the lungs and the skin are more or less exercised and benefited by walking running gardening housekeeping or riding on horseback still other exercises will be necessary in addition to all these but much that i wish to say on these points will be found in subsequent chapters IT IS ONLY NECESSARY FOR ME TO OBSERVE IN THIS PLACE THAT ALL THE ORGANS OF THE BODY, INTERNAL OR EXTERNAL, TOGETHER WITH ALL THE SENSES, REQUIRE, NAY, DEMAND, THEIR APPROPRIATE, OR AS I MIGHT SAY, THEIR PARTICULAR EXERCISE, AND THIS NOT ONLY DAILY, BUT SOME OF THEM MUCH OFTENER. THE BRAIN AND NERVOUS system REQUIRE OBSERVATION AND REFLECTION, AND EVEN, IN MY VIEW, CONSIDERABLE HARD STUDY. This is their appropriate and necessary exercise. There are, indeed, those who exercise their brains too much. But for one who suffers from thinking too much, a dozen suffer from thinking too little. The stomach and intestines require such food as will call them into proper action. That which is highly difficult of digestion may cause them to overact, and this, to those whose vital powers are feeble, would be injurious. On the other hand, that which is too easy of digestion will not afford the stomach exercise enough, and hence, in time, if its use is long continued, will be equally injurious. But once more, concentrated substances, substances, I mean, consisting of pure nutriment, or that which is nearly so, such as oil, sugar, gum, etc., do not afford the right kind of exercise to the stomach, for it is the appropriate work of this organ and of the other internal organs, and not of machinery of human invention, to separate the nutritious part from that which is innutritious, and therefore that food affords the best sort of labor to the stomach which contains, along with a full supply of nutriment, a good deal of innutritious substance. The exercise of the lungs consists not only in their full and free expansion in breathing, but in speaking, singing, etc., and even in laughing. Physiologists also consider sneezing, coughing, and crying, especially the latter, as having their advantages in early infancy, and perhaps in some circumstances even afterward. In like manner do the eye and the ear the tongue and the teeth the hands and the face and indeed every part of the system require their appropriate exercise this is not true of the merest infancy and childhood alone but also for the most part of youth and manhood conversation to a certain extent is for all i know as necessary to the health of the vocal organs as to that of the lungs nor are the benefits of mastication confined wholly to the process of digestion. It is fully believed by distinguished physiologists that the teeth themselves will last longer for being considerably used, and they seem to be borne out in this conclusion by facts. But if this is the case, what are we to think of the importance of light to the eye, sound to the ear, employment to the hands, etc.? It is extremely difficult to induce the young to pay any attention to this important subject as a matter of duty even in some of its most obvious points and parts some of them will it is true use exercise enough of a particular kind and at particular times but the idea of attending to it as a matter of duty is exceedingly hard for them to receive or entertain few things are more pitiable than the sight of young persons of either sex, so entirely enslaved to fashion, they dare not labour in the garden or the kitchen, or even walk briskly, lest somebody should observe and speak of it. It is not to be wondered at, trained as the young of both sexes are, to demand incessant excitement, that they should dislike walking, and everything else of the more active kind and sigh for the chaise, the coach, the sleigh, the car, and the steamboat. But it does seem to me strange that contrary to nature they should seek their happiness in passive exercises alone, forgetful of their limbs and hands and feet. It is passing strange that any tyrant should be able, even fashion herself, so to change the whole current of human feeling, as to make a sprightly buoyant young girl of ten years of age become at thirteen a grave staid or mincing young woman unable or rather unwilling to move except in a certain style and then only with an efforts scarcely exceeded by the efforts of those who are suffering from inquisitorial tortures no young woman who has a conscientious desire for improvement and who is acquainted with the merest elements physiological knowledge could or would submit for one day to such abominable tyranny she could not but be afraid thus to disobey the natural and reasonable laws of her maker the consequences of this premature inactivity of the human frame and the future well-being of that frame have never been half told nor do i know that they can be at least for some time to come I scarcely ever prescribed for one of these staid young women without very great pain to see a machine evidently made by its almighty architect for a great deal of motion and made to run on with exactness for a hundred years or more with due care taken to preserve it in good order completely deranged because fashion says that motion is ungraceful or unbecoming what in a physical point of view can be more lamentable to see women denied daily by fashion's nonsensical decrees the pleasure which every healthy person feels in the use of his limbs, with their hundreds of muscles and tendons, and kept not only inactive but almost secluded from air and light—who is not almost ashamed that he belongs to the same species? Yet such things are quite common among us, and they are constantly becoming more so. End of chapter twenty.